In this next session, we are going to talk about Zul uh, Madrid and La Liga, as I mentioned in our last episode. If you haven't already, you know, caught it, please do, please do. And it's an interesting one, isn't it, Jax? It's it, it's it's pretty interesting to see how uh, Madrid and Barcelona are going to fare this year. It's definitely the start of a new era for both teams especially because of something we're going to talk about in the later session with Real Madrid, but with Barcelona, this is, you know, the post-Messi reality that everyone was so terrified of. And it's here, and now they have to contend with it, and it's had mixed results to start. Well, I think the biggest thing that I'm... Well, one thing that I'm a big fan of, right, you know, one thing that I'm a really, really big fan of is it's the fact that Martin Braithwaite is now the GOAT, bro. <laughs> he has become an official I meme. mean, this is the thing with Barcelona. It's very much a tale of two games to start the season. And it's very much a tale of two games with Martin Braithwaite as well. Uh, first game, incredible. He was absolutely outstanding. Second game, did you, see his, did you see his miss? No, I didn't. Uh, it was did I see his miss? Oh, God. He was basically an open goal from about eight yards out, and he's got it. Goat. All right, I'm calling it right now. <laughs> Martin, right, goat. Goat. Martin Goat. Martin And Goat wait. <laughs> so I guess let, let's start with Barcelona. So yeah. Barcelona has played two games this season. The first, they, they did the Basque special. Mm-hmm. So first game of the season, they played at home to Rafael Ciudad. They won yep. 4-2. They were comfortably in control for about 80 minutes and then nearly threw it away from minute 82 to 88 and then Sergio Roberto scores to ice it in the 91st minute so it was awkward it was definitely awkward awkward. it got more awkward when uh, they reached the 10th minute and they realized this whole thing of Barcelona fans chanting Messi's name the 10th minute of every game was going to be a thing this whole season oh wow it, it, it's very haunting, especially because they have fans in the stadiums in Spain, but it's not completely full. But you can still hear it. You can still hear the just the, the way chance. that they chant is Messi, Messi, Messi. It's very haunting, and I I can't imagine being a player listening to that and thinking about the pressure that you're under. But you know, nine minutes later, Barcelona scored, so I guess it worked. I mean, but. I guess I don't know, man. It's it's. I just feel so surreal, real knowing that Messi is no longer playing for Barcelona. It really like, is something needing to get used to. Yeah. And then, as I said, it was a tale of two games. The second game was a one-one draw to Athletic Club in San Mamés, which was decidedly worse performance for Barcelona than the first game. Just significantly worse. A game that I think myself and basically anyone who watched it would say that Barcelona were lucky to get a point out of. And it sort of shows the the spectrum of range that I think Barcelona might be victim to this year without being able to look to Lionel Messi and say, okay, save us now. Because Athletic Club were the again, it's sort of like the tail it's almost like a perfect parallel to games. Athletic Club were the better team for at least sixty to seventy minutes in that game. 
Oh, wow. They probably should have scored more than one goal. They eventually got their goal from a set piece. It was Inigo Martinez who scored off of a set piece, but Barcelona were ran ragged the whole game. Jared PK got injured in the first half. They couldn't play the ball out of the back. Granted, they were playing their backup goalkeeper, number Donetto. Eric Garcia got schooled for 90 minutes by Nyaki Williams. He just could not stop him. He even got sent off in the 93rd minute. I think I don't think I sent this to you, but I sent this to someone else saying that Barcelona paid zero euros for Eric Garcia and still got fleeced. Ooh. Like he was he was Yo. terrible. <laughs> Yo, it's not, oh, bro, it's it's hilarious. And I mean, Frankie De Jong, I think, is the one of the few players in that team who could you know hold hold himself up with you know confidence and say that he played really really well. But I think Athletic Club in midfield played really well. I was really impressed with Unai Ventador, who's a young midfielder who came through the Athletic Academy. And I think specifically for Athletic Club, I think having fans in the stadium at San Mamés is very helpful for them because it's one of those it's one of those clubs that feeds so much off of the atmosphere of their stadium and having that support behind them for the first time it definitely gives them that extra push but for Barcelona they sort of shrunk away from that because that maybe because they didn't have you know Messi to come to look to as inspiration but they just they just weren't nearly as good I guess, you know, sort of a response to that is, what about their new signings for the season? How did they fare? Well, that's that's the other main story. Because the one player who has absolutely been Barcelona's best player for the first two games of the season has been Memphis Depay. United. He is... Yeah, he's been phenomenal. He's basically... I don't want to say he's the messy replacement, because no one is the messy replacement. But he's sort sort of of taken the he's taken the mantle of Messi in the sense that he is now sort of the centerpiece of Barcelona's attack. He's sort of the the cog around which everything turns. The he plays as the center forward now, and you know all the other pieces move around him. He's able to be a lot more physical than Messi was. Obviously, he's a bigger player than Messi, and he's able to challenge defenders, play with the ball at his feet make runs into the box. He scored the goal against Athletic Club and it was a really, really, really good goal if you haven't seen it. Uh, yeah, I, I did see that goal. So, this is the reason why I wanted to, to talk about Depay. And I guess, you know what? One, I, two things I can't believe. Number one, I can't believe that he played for both our clubs, you know, Leon and Manchester United. And the second thing that I can't believe is that how United let him go, bro. Because, I mean, honestly, no one expected him to become the player that he... I think I, I genuinely thought United broke him bro I really did I think I think that's a rational thought process because I think he's grown up so much since he left Manchester United yeah and obviously Leon, he, he always phenomenal. he always had yeah. potential when he came through at PSV that everyone always knew he was going to be really good but he was so immature and he grew up when he from when he arrived at Leon to when he left he grew up so much and now that he's gone to Barcelona this is a complete a complete night and day difference between the player that was at Manchester United and now. He's composed, he's a leader, he's able to be the central role. Excuse me, he's able to be the central player and play a central role in a massive team. Yeah. But at the same time, he's still Memphis Depay, if you get what I'm saying. Where he he still has that sort of brashness and that attitude about him, it's just a lot more controlled. 
And I think that's I think that's what's helping him here. Because in a good way, it's like he doesn't care. Yeah. Like he doesn't care who he's replacing. He doesn't care. He just know, wants to be the main guy. About the pressure of wearing the Barcelona shirt. He just wants to go out and bang goals in. That's all yeah. he cares about. He doesn't care where he's playing. He doesn't care who he's playing for. He doesn't care who he's replacing. He doesn't feel that pressure. And that's exactly what Barcelona need right now. And, you know, because everyone else in that team, you can visibly see sometimes they're feeling pressure. (laughs) Hey, I mean, I think that that closes out. I mean, you know what probably helped him? The fact that he wore the number seven shirt. And I think after wearing the number seven shirt at United, he's like, you know what? I can't let the shirt define me. I can't let anything define me. I'm just going to go out and play my game. Because I think he got scarred. He's probably traumatized with experience, but the way he's taken it is, you know, completely different compared to, you know, other players who have donned that number seven shirt and left the club. Um, that being said, though, I do want to make a, a good point here. It's not a serious point, but I think it's a point regardless. To what extent do you think, all right, Depay moved to Barcelona because he thought there was a good chance he could really kickstart his music career by getting some features from Shakira. <laughs> you knew, I mean, he, you knew he's, he's got the direct route through Jared PK. So. He does, he does, he does. <laughs> you knew this That'd was be a bang tune, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> but, <laughs> I guess talking about the, you know, wearing the number 7 shirt at United, we can bring up the topic that Barcelona found their new number 10. It is not Memphis Depay. Mm-hmm. Wearing the number ten moving forward will be Usman Dembélé. I have a lot of issues with this. <laughs> I think I know I... what you're going to say, and I, th- and I have the response for it because there there's been a technicality about shirt numbers that people have discussed in regards to Lionel Messi that I think people misunderstand about when it comes to the La Liga rules. Oh no! Don't get me wrong. I think that the issue I have with this is because like Barcelona are not going to see the number ten shirt that often this season because Dembele is really injury prone man oh yeah that's yeah <laughs> I mean they have it's it's like Real Madrid giving number 7 to Mariano you're not going to see it a lot but they have to give the number to someone oh yeah yeah they, they have to give now, it to someone maybe you should have given it to the pie you know through two games he's sort of ratifying the idea that he could wear it but there are a lot of people who said, oh, why don't Barcelona just retire number 10? They're never going to have a player as good as Messi, which is true. They probably won't. But I think but, league regulations prevent that or yeah. something, right? You have yeah. to, in La Liga, you can only register players numbers 1 through 25. So if they retired number 10, they would only be able to register 24 players. That's and quite a dumb rule. Do that. No offense, but I think that's quite a dumb rule, all things considered. I agree with that. <laughs> but I also think that it, it can get out of hand to the point where you retire so many numbers that you're running out of numbers to wear. Like, that's the issue in, in um, baseball in America that the New York Yankees have. That they've, they've been so good for so long and they've had so many players and they've retired so many numbers that they're beginning to run out of numbers for players to wear. Isn't it an issue with, like, uh, high school basketball as well? Isn't that why, it's like, students are, like, 1,001 or something like that or 300? No, you can only wear two-digit numbers in basketball. Is that right? People, people are not wearing three-digit numbers in like high any basketball. level of competitive basketball above from high school and above. Really? Okay. Well, 
I, I guess you know uh, coming back to football <laughs> uh, <laughs> we really took a detour there <laughs> yeah we did we did uh, coming back to football coming to Barcelona one player that I wanted to talk about is a player that Premier League fans are are really familiar with you know for a decade he's been gracing the Premier League he's won titles he's won practically everything shy of a Champions League uh, and Europa League I dare say and that's Sergio Aguero well (laughs) funny you mentioned Sergio Aguero is he trying to get out of his deal at Barcelona or something it is basically confirmed that he will not be playing for Barcelona well it's not officially confirmed but it's one of those really poorly kept secrets that Barcelona are going to sell him in January. So what the hell is he going to do for the next six months? Well, he's injured until, until like late October, early November, I think. So oh Yeah, but still, like, bruh. He's going to train away from the team. I don't think Barcelona are ever going to end up registering him if they haven't already. And the so rumor is he's going to go to MLS in January. Ah, uh, David Beckham. He's going to... Probably, yeah. Probably go to Inter Miami. I mean, who else could afford him? Well, practically any American. Uh, club. like the whole MLS. <laughs> yeah, it's probably MLS. Maybe uh, uh, Charlotte FC. Hey. <laughs> oh, that'd be fun. That'd be that would fun. Be fun. Charlotte only has fun. like four players, so it'd be fun to so, have hey. one that I recognize, aside from Christian Fuchs. <laughs> but that's it. Is like the ultimate sign that Aguero basically went to Barcelona to play with Messi. Yeah. And then he goes to Barcelona and Messi leaves. That's so unfortunate. Is Aguero the same player as he was? Of course not. But he still has plenty of juice in him, doesn't he? Oh yeah, he's talented. and You could argue Barcelona kind of need a striker. But if Aguero doesn't want to play for them, then, you know, what can he do? What can you do? Especially when you have financial difficulties to the point where you have to really consider which players that you register. True. Very true. Very, very true. You just might as well not register Aguero and just sell him to whoever wants him in January. Then so he sort of has a... Shouldn't you just mutually terminate his contract right now? Well, I mean, that would be a lot more costly for Barcelona. Especially when you think that there is a buyer available in January, which I think mm-hmm. there is, because I think an MLS club would definitely pay for Sergio Aguero. They probably would pay a lot. I don't think Barcelona are expecting to get a lot back, but at least bringing in a transfer fee and not having to pay to terminate Aguero's contracts I mean, would be it's, probably beneficial. It's either that or he might he might go back to Argentina. Either way, you know, if he goes to Real yeah. or Boca Juniors. There were some rumors about him wanting to try and terminate his contract and go to Atletico Madrid, but with Atletico Madrid signing uh, Mateus Cunha, I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen too. I mean, there's... I mean, let's put it this way. If Diego Costa couldn't find any playing time, or much playing time rather, it's going to be hard. Well, there's, you know, sort of a story behind that, but... That's, I mean, I like Madrid didn't need a striker. There are rumors to have gone after Rafa Mir from Wolves, but he ended up going to Sevilla. And then there are rumors that Aguero was going to try and go and back up Luis Suarez, which isn't necessarily what I like Madrid need because they need someone younger than Suarez and not his age. But they ended up signing Mateus Cunha, and now that door's closed, and it looks like 
Aguero is going to go get his MLS moment in the sun in Miami. And he'll probably mm. meet uh, he'll probably meet Messi there. Probably, probably, <laughs> Okay. Um, is there anything else that we need to discuss about Barcelona before we move on to the uh, arch rivals? I think we covered it. I mean, Griezmann looks decent. I think there's an idea where he can coexist in this new Barcelona team. Alongside Ipai, Um, I have no idea why Ronald Rao doesn't play. I think that might change soon. Oh, Elijah Mariba. We need need to quickly talk about Elijah Mariba. All right. So... For those who are uninformed, Elash Mariba is in a contract dispute with Barcelona. It is sort of both of their fault because when Elash came through La Masia, they, Barcelona, gave him a fairly more significant contract than they usually give to youth team players, which sort of yeah. you know set the bar for what he expected when it comes to his payment. And now that he's due another... I guess more fully professional contracts, if not just another professional contract, you sort of expect more money than Barcelona are willing to pay, especially given Barcelona's financial circumstances to the point where he's not really bending or his representation isn't really bending on the the dollar amount, the euro amount that he wants, and Barcelona aren't really bending on that to the point where Barcelona are going to sell another player out of their academy. You know, he hasn't gone anywhere five days left in the window, but it is believed that Elijah Mariba is going to leave Barcelona. Apparently, he's had talks with Chelsea. I've seen that, too. I think that came yeah. out today. He can join the Chelsea Lawman Army at Vitesse. But it is... I mean, it's kind of sad from the Barcelona perspective, losing another talented player out of La Masia. Because, you know, the, the last thing that they need is yet another player to go from La Masia to succeed elsewhere because yeah. you know, God knows there's already plenty of those but I feel like it could have been resolved from Elijah's per- perspective to just take the hit given Barcelona's well-known financial disputes or financial yeah. issues yeah and, then and I sort of hate have... that it's sorry go ahead I sort of hate that it's gotten to the point where I can't remember if it was yesterday or the day before but Ronald Koeman uh, called him out in the press about it saying that he was upset about the situation and I don't this isn't obviously word for word but I think he said something along the lines of like uh, Elias is being greedy or the kid is being greedy which to be fair is not really wrong but mm. I hate that it's devolved to the point where the manager is criticizing a kid like an 18 year old kid in the press I don't think that's ever really the best way to go about any of this for sure so I think I think that's just attracting a lot of unnecessary scrutiny onto this kid who's admittedly incredibly talented for a situation that isn't completely his fault no I mean you're right you're not wrong you're not wrong I guess I mean technically speaking maybe he could have waited a season and then tried to engineer a move away the following year probably for a much higher wage mind you because he's probably going to play, right? This season, I mean. Well, he's, well, normally, yes, he is in and around the first team. He played a decent amount last year as 
sort of like a rotational player in midfield, especially mm-hmm. with how much Pedri has played recently. They sort mm-hmm. of need a rotational player in midfield for Pedri because the, the kid looks absolutely exhausted. And Elijah has the ability to play that role. But since his contract dispute began, Barcelona and Ronald Koeman has said, we're not going to play you. So if he does not make a move this window and the contract dispute continues, Ronald Koeman's not going to play him. Well, I guess his hands are sort of forced. He should leave. Probably, probably should leave. If he doesn't leave, there's going to be a problem. Big problem. Yeah, I feel like that situation would get worse if he doesn't find his way out with five days to go in the window. Mm. It'll be interesting to see if he does go and where he ends up. Maybe he goes to Leon. Who knows? Maybe. Maybe, that maybe. Would he be, goes to that would be enjoyable, especially if Alvaro leaves. Can Leon All afford right. him? Can Leon afford him? Someone's, someone's paying us 20 million euros for Maxwell Cornet. It's like we've won the lottery. Okay, okay, all right, all right. Let's move on to Real Madrid. Um, so, Real Madrid, Barcelona. who very much also had a tale of two games. That's right. So, well, a game and then like half of the second game. It looks really, really good. Yeah. So, their first game of the season was a 4 1 win away to Adeveth. Um, it was a game where Carlo Ancelotti raised a few eyebrows very early mm-hmm. by starting both Gareth Bale and Ed Hazard. Both of Real Madrid's one-away wingers starting immediately. Whoa. Someone's making statements. Both of them? I mean, Bale was alright. I think Hazard played well enough. Obviously, neither of them scored, but I don't think either of them played poorly. Oh, I mean, uh, Carlo Ancelotti's making a statement by filling both of them there. Yeah, no one would have expected it. Yeah. And uh, they won 4 1. Benzema scored twice. Uh, Nacho Fernandez, who started at center back alongside Uder Militao, um, scored the third goal. Vinicius scored in the 92nd minute. It was a bit of a makeshift defense. David Alaba started at left back. It's not really quite sure where he's going to play with Barcelona or with Real Madrid. I should not get those mixed up. Uh, I guess it's assumed when Ferrell Mendy comes back that Mendy's going to start at left back and Alaba's going to start at center back next to Melitao. But mm. I think that'd be an interesting development to see. And then the second game of the season was an absolute scorcher. I feel bad for whoever missed this game. It was three all draw against Levante. Is that the um, one where Levante got the man sent off? Yeah, Levante got their goalkeeper sent off with. Uh, oh three minutes plus stoppage time remaining and their center back uh, Ruben Veta went into goal and did not allow a goal and held on to the point so you gotta Damn. love that but once love. again once again Hazard and Bale started Isco also started which was interesting um, Real Madrid played wow. really really well in the first half Gareth Bale scored five minutes in on a cutback from Karen Benzema it was a team that had Isco, Benzema, and Bale in it, and they were all playing really well. So it was basically 2014 all over again. And in the second half, Levante scored twice in 11, yeah, 11 minutes. 
a goal from Roger Marti, uh, basically as soon as the half restarted, and then a goal from Jose Campagna, which if you have not seen it yet, please stop what you're doing right now. Look it up on YouTube and come back and listen to the rest of this podcast. <laughs> it is an absolutely phenomenal goal. Cool. It's Vikram, if you haven't seen it, when we're done recording, go look it up. I will, I will, I will definitely do that. No, but you know, I guess uh, you know, hearing from, I mean, listening to what you're saying, right? I guess there is a gaping hole in defense that sort of needs plugging. Because clearly, clearly, Nacho Fernandez and Edel Lidal are no Rafael Varane and Sergio Ramos. I mean, yes, but of course they never were going to be. They no, they were going to be. To be fair to Real Madrid's um, credit, old Carlo, the game management man, made the substitutions to change the game. He took off both of his aging wingers and brought on um, Marco. Sen- I believe it was Marco Sensio, and then brought on uh, Vinicius. And he also brought oh. on Rodrigo, but Vinicius was unbelievable. Uh, his there were a lot of really good goals scored in this game. Vinicius' first goal and his second goal, to be fair, both goals that I also want you to look up because the first goal was a very good team goal. This, the pass from Casemiro that set it up was phenomenal. And then Vinicius' second goal was sort of one of those accidental crosses that ends up going in off the post, but it was also a very Ooh. good goal. Vinicius was very, very good in both of these games. So... I feel like there's a lot of talking points for Real Madrid in both of these games. Outside of the talking point of who they're potentially going to sign. But I think you mentioned you mentioned it when I said Isco started, you reacted. And I think that's definitely an interesting talking point. It is. Sort of a forgotten figure in Madrid when once upon a time he was sort of the uh, I mean uh, I'm, 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 I'm just going to say it. He sort of carried them, you know, from time to time. You know, he was such yeah. an important player. There were times when he was the man. the best non-Lionel Messi Ronaldo player in La Liga. Yeah. There were also times yeah. when he sort of looked overweight. But <laughs> this is definitely much closer to the former than the latter. Yeah, for sure. Even for though sure. he was dragged off at around the hour mark. But I think it's interesting because... If he had stayed, I think that would have been Martin Odegaard. Oh, wow. And it's sort of unfortunate to the point where Odegaard's relationship with Real Madrid devolved to the point where he wasn't given a squad number by Real Madrid and it was basically assumed that he was going to be rejoining Arsenal whenever they reached a deal. And he could, you know, end up succeeding with Arsenal. He had a very good loan spell there. He could end up uh, bringing his career forward with Arsenal, but... I think you could at least make the argument that he maybe gave up on Real Madrid too quickly. Mm. Now, there might have just been a devolving of the relationship between the two to the point where he didn't necessarily trust Real Madrid for his development, but when you're looking at a team where, yes, he's not going to start ahead of Luka Modric because Luka Modric is still one of the best midfielders in the world, but you're looking at a team where Luka Modric is 36 and there's no way on God's green earth that he's able to start every game. And you're looking at a Real Madrid team that is not able to upgrade. They're they're about to sign Mbappe, but is not able to upgrade their midfield to the point where there's going to be significant layers between Odegaard and the starting 11. I still think that had Odegaard 
decided to stay at Real Madrid, he would be featuring a whole lot for this team. And and the fact that Isco played in the second game of the season away to Levante, which isn't a, isn't easy, you know, away trip by any means. As Levante were phenomenal, especially in the second half. But mm. I don't know. Maybe maybe he could have stayed. Maybe maybe he didn't have to go to Arsenal. Well, I mean, one thing's for sure, he's definitely uh, more valued at Arsenal. He's probably worshipped by Arsenal fans. Um, because they probably feel he's Ozil's second coming. <laughs> yeah, it's very rare for Arsenal fans to experience a player who actually wants to play for them. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right about that. Gone are the days, you know. Like I said in the previous podcast, uh, Wenger and Andre scammed. <laughs> Wenger and Andre, you know, these are the two men that scammed an entire generation of Arsenal fans. So for them, this is big, really big. I hope Odegaard does well, and I hope uh, and not to deviate too much on Arsenal, I suppose. But I guess it's good to see you know players who have been sort of pushed to the sidelines finally getting a chance to feature again under Carlo. I mean, granted, they probably featured under Carlo, you know, way back when he was managing when he was last there. <laughs> yeah, right. So like, it's it's not. Uh, I mean. To some extent, you could sort of understand why he's using these players because he's very familiar with them, given that he's mentioned them before. But um, let's see, let's see how it how it pans out for Real Madrid. I have one question to ask, and that's a question on uh, Hazard, right? Eden Hazard. How? What's next for for him? Because technically speaking, he still has a lot to prove for his price value or the amount of money that um, Real Madrid had paid for him. He definitely does, and he's going to be playing in a team that is about to add another left winger, which yep. we're going to talk about later. But to be completely fair to him, in these in these two games, he hasn't scored, he hasn't assisted, but I don't think he's played poorly. He looks slimmer, he looks more engaged, he obviously doesn't look like the Eden Hazard that we saw at Chelsea, because you know that Eden Hazard was one of the best players on the planet, but... Yeah, yeah. He looks like he looks healthier. Just like that's good. Physically looking at him, he looks healthier than he has been since he arrived in Madrid. So maybe this could be a season under a new manager in a new sort of mindset for Real Madrid, in a mindset where they need to be reliant on everyone in the team to produce if they want to win the league title this season. Where mm. he can sort of find a new a new lease on life. And maybe, you know, should the Mbappe deal be finished, that sort of takes the spotlight off of him a little bit. And maybe when he doesn't have the constant pressure of being at the tip of the sword for every Real Madrid fan's angst and frustration with this team, maybe he can sort of return to that hazard that we all know is still in there. I mean, let's hope. Let's just hope for the best, man. And I think that's sort of the overall theme of the team, that Ancelotti has said it in multiple press conferences that they need to get the most out of all the players available to them because of Real Madrid's, again, I hate to say questionable financial standing when they're about to spend a stupid amount of money on Mbappe, but the point where they're not able to, you know, bring in the Galactico name players outside of just Mbappe. This whole, this whole conversation got so much more ridiculous with the Mbappe news, man. Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 but... 
they're going to need to get the most out of everyone in this team. That's why they're playing Isco. That's why they're playing Hazard and Bale. That's why they have to use Nacho and Militao. That's why they have players like Antonio Blanco and Miguel Gutierrez on their bench, who are players who people have probably not heard of because they're from uh, La Fabrica, Real Madrid's academy. Yeah. So, you know, they have to get the most out of everything at their potential, at their disposal, because while inconsistent, Barcelona are still a team that are good enough to win the league title, and Atletico Madrid are still Atletico Madrid. Both of their games so far this season have been, even without Luis Suarez, even with uh, players not quite fully fit, even with uh, their new signing, Rodrigo de Paul, not fully fit, has been, you know, return to normalcy for Atletico Madrid, score a goal and defend really, really well. So they're going to be in a fight for the league title, not to mention Sevilla as well, who've won both of their games and have looked pretty impressive. They're going to need to get the most out of everyone in this team if they want to win the league title again. And that's that should be the goal every single season for Real Madrid. It should, you know, it should. It really should. But I guess, you know, in that similar vein, uh, there needs to be some sort of refresh in that squad. And there has been overhaul sooner rather than later. A lot of their players are old. How old is Modric, definitely man? does. Uh, 36. Yeah, exactly. Like, he's, you know, he's really old. I mean, they've sort of shipped out Sergio Ramos already. They, they need to get rid of Marcelo. No offense. I mean, I, would, I mean, to correct, I don't mean get rid of, but they need to move him on to another club. Or let him retire. You know, like he's... Marcelo, let's, let's not get ourselves, man. <laughs> just right? okay. put him out of his misery. That's what yeah, you're saying. Yeah, just, just retire, bro. I mean, you know, and he, you're, not, you're not terrible, but... You're never going to be the Marcelo of old, alright? It's time to... I mean, to a certain extent, I think they're doing that. I mean, obviously, they gave a new contract to Luka Modric that I think extended his contract by a year. I think they did that a year ago. I think his contract comes to an end this summer. And they gave an extension to Karim Benzema. His contract comes to an extension next summer. But they've committed to their younger players, they've committed to Vinicius, they've committed to, to Militao, they've most recently committed a long-term contract to Federico Valverde. Uh, yeah. they're, play, they're bringing players into the first team, like Antonio Blanco, who are pretty promising players coming from La Fabrica, which they usually don't trust their academy, as we've now seen with noted academy prospect and boyhood Real Madrid fan Marcus Llorente yeah. winning a league title with LA Madrid. Yeah, Madrid. And yeah. They're willing to sign the next star of the future and killing Mbappe. So I think it's going to be a lot more drawn out over time, their rebuild. And I think that's why they brought Carlo Lancelotti in to sort of provide a little bit of stability over the course of that rebuild. Mm. But I think we're going to get to three years down the line. I think that's how long Ancelotti's contract is. And we're going to look at a Real Madrid that no longer has Tony Cross, that no longer has. Uh, Luka Modric that might no longer have Casemiro probably won't have Karim Benzema uh, most likely won't have Marcelo uh, probably won't have Gareth Bale and it's going to be a significantly different looking Real Madrid than what we're used to considering Real Madrid has been basically the exact same team for the last like six years yeah. at least yeah. and we're going to see a Real Madrid probably managed by Raul or Javi Alonso it's going to look pretty different and Kylian Mbappe is probably going to be the best player in that team. So I think they are at least laying the groundwork for that rebuild. It's just going to take a lot longer than they want, mainly because of their financial struggles, but also because it's kind of hard to move a lot of old players at one time. And I think that's definitely a rational thing to do. Like, obviously the expectation is still there for them to succeed. 
because they're Real Madrid, their fans are so demanding that they need to be winning league titles every single season. But it's the only real way they could go about it. Hmm. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think right now that whether or not Real Madrid have what it takes to win the league this season. They definitely do. I mean, do they? In comparison to like someone like Atletico Madrid, for instance, who have I mean, they, the transfer market. They took it. They took it to the last day of the season last year. Hmm. So we still have five days to see what happens. In a league where, I'm sorry, say that again. We still have five more days to see what it, what else happens or what else transpires. Yeah, we definitely have five more days to see what happens in the window. I don't think I like Madrid are going to be making any more signings. If they do, it'll probably be a center back for not that much money. They've done really well in the window though with Mateus Cunha and with uh, Rodrigo de Paul, and obviously Real Madrid are on the verge of signing Kylian Mbappe, which is going to be a massive deal. I mean, if if PSG allowed to go through this window and don't make Real Madrid do the wiser thing and wait for Kylian Mbappe to be free. But it's, <laughs> I think even without Kylian Mbappe, this is still a very good team. And yeah. I think if you want a manager to take this mantle of being the guy that follows Zidane and being the guy who sort of steps into the pressure seat and having to use, having to do a lot with what is directly at his disposal I think Ancelotti you could do a whole lot worse than Carlo Ancelotti yeah and yeah. they might not win the league this season purely because I think the top of the league in Spain is, re- is once again really really competitive but I definitely think this team has the manpower especially on paper the the, the personnel on paper to win the league it's just a question of can they utilize everything that's there to the degree that they have to and can they keep key players like Modric and Kroos and Casemiro and Benzema on the pitch and producing. I guess... Hmm. And also, can they find someone else to score goals? Because Casemiro yeah. was their second leading scorer last season. That's not, that's not going to fly. That's not good. That's not, that's, not, that's not a good stat to have, man. I, <laughs> yo, I mean, it shows I, how maybe, good Casemiro is. but Yeah, but still, you know, like... You, when your defensive midfielder stacked. is... Yeah, Your second leading scorer and a team yeah. that has a Hazard in it—that's not good. No, not good at all. Let's let's hope let's hope uh, you know this season's going to be a different case. I, I mean, I want Casemiro to score goals, but let's hope someone like Hazard, maybe Bale has a few in him. You know, there needs to be more people. Or, or to... let's not hope and not like Madrid can win the league again. Oh, you know that's the way. Or Sevilla can win the league. That would Aww. be fun. That would be fun. I'm not gonna lie, that would be fun. All right, anything else on Real Madrid and Barcelona? I think that's all. I mean, we're gonna talk a little bit more about Real Madrid in this next segment. So for sure. But I think one last question before we sort of end off on uh, Madrid and Barcelona. Do you think the El Clasico affair would be sort of dampened given there's no more Messi? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, for the longest time, El Clasico was El Clasico because of Ronaldo and Messi. And I and don't want to I don't I mean, want to diminish the significance mm-hmm. of El Clasico and the significance of these two clubs because they are it, it's always been a game between the two big two are arguably the two biggest clubs in the world. 
Yeah. And it will always be that game and it will always have the sporting significance within Spain than it does and it will always have the political significance within Spain than it does. Yeah. Because of the whole Madrid versus Catalonia thing. But the game definitely loses something when it's no longer that Ronaldo versus Messi rivalry. And especially when these are no longer two of the best teams in the world. And we're no longer at that point in the mid-2010s when you could argue genuinely that La Liga is the best league in the world. Set. Really is set. I was going to say there's also no more Ramos. And Ramos has been a constant even before Messi and Ronaldo sort of dominated that whole uh, El Clasico. Yeah, you could argue that no one has been more synonymous with Real Madrid, I guess outside of Ronaldo in the last decade than Sergio Ramos. Yes. I mean, maybe the most iconic goal in the history of the Champions League or the most iconic moment in the history of the Champions League was Ramos' goal against Atletico Madrid. The equalizer that led to the extra time that allowed Real Madrid to win La Decima. Yeah. I'm sorry, Atletico Madrid fans, if you happen to find this on the internet and you get reminded about that goal. I'm very sorry. <laughs> I was heartbroken for you too in that moment. <laughs> All right, fair, fair, fair. Okay, I guess it just to sort of sum things up for Real Madrid and Barcelona, both teams have sort of suffered during this transfer window. Barcelona lost their king, their saviour, their icon, Lionel Messi, forever. I mean, I don't think he's ever going to be back in uh, Cam Nil. As a Barcelona Not as a player. player. Not as a player. Not as a player. Um, perhaps, you know, Memphis Depay is the man to lead them forward alongside uh, Griezmann and Cole. We found out that Sergio Aguero is probably never going to don the Barcelona shirt. <laughs> and this is a complete waste of time. Uh, and we've got through Madrid, you know, Carlo Ancelotti seems to know what he's doing. Uh, he has an aged squad, but when it comes to man management, I think he's one of the best in the world. Um, and game management as well. You know, he's one of the best in the world. He's one manager, I think, personally, that can manage a room full of egos and get the job, you know, and produce results when it matters. So, it'll be interesting to see how uh, Real Madrid move forward. But I think one thing to note is that this is a key point of transition in Spain keep on a transition for two of their biggest clubs and something that Atletico Madrid would probably capitalize on uh, given the predicament you know you might see maybe for the next two three years Atletico Madrid or Sevilla like Jack pointed out or Villarreal maybe you know it's a surprise dark horse boy would that be a story that would be a story right Villarreal won the league I think other clubs in Spain need to sort of capitalize on this moment and see what they can do because it's a new era it's really a new era the end of Messi marks a new era